Revelation chapter 3, we've been studying the names of Jesus. Two of them tonight, how about that? Two names of Jesus in one night. Revelation chapter 3. Lord, bless your word to our hearts tonight. Help us to believe it, put it into practice, enjoy it, live by it. Honor you with our response, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 3.14 And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. Capital A. A-M-E-N. The Amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is, is the faithful and true witness. Those aren't capitalized. He is the beginning of the creation of God. Those are not capitalized. Not in this verse. But in this verse, his, the name of the one speaking, he is the Amen. Now, in some churches, Amen is said. In some churches, amen is whispered. In some churches, there's a, uh, a formal uh, recitation of uh, this or the other, and the congregation in unison will say amen. Let me show you the biblical uh, foundation here. Come to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy chapter 27. What an odd thing for Jesus Christ to be known as the amen. Deuteronomy 27. Let's start at verse number 15. Deuteronomy 27, verse number 15. Or four, let's go to 14. And the Levites shall speak and say with, unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with him and her beast, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, and the daughter of his father, and the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Things you never, you, you, you would have thought a generation ago, why would God have to put that in the Bible? And now we live in a day when such perversion is, is becoming uh, normal, culturally acceptable. Anyway, 24, Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that taketh a reward to slay an innocent person, all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now, when you come to chapter 28, it's a different situation. 
He says in verse 1, It shall come to pass, if thou should hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all His commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. And it goes on and on and on down through that chapter, listing all of these blessings from God. But what we don't read after each of these blessings are the words, and all the people shall say, Amen. That's a curious thing, isn't it? God doesn't need to search for or to require the consent of His people when He promises blessings. Everybody's all for the blessings of the Lord. But when the Lord pronounces curses upon those who sin against Him and sin against their neighbors, He has to require the people to agree with Him. He has to command them to say, Amen. I'm going to bless you in the field. Amen, Lord. I didn't ask for that. Oh, it's okay. Amen, Lord. I'm going to bless your baskets with increase. Amen, Lord. I didn't tell you to say amen. That's okay. Amen, Lord. But when he says, if you do that, I'll curse your people. If you do that, I'll curse your people. If you do that, I'll curse your people. The Lord says, say amen right there. I'm commanding all of you to say amen. That's interesting. Now, let's look in our Bible in 1 Kings chapter number 1. Book of 1 Kings chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 32, King David said, Call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and they came before the king. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon my son to ride upon mine own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there, king over Israel, and blow ye with the trumpet, and say, God save King Solomon. Then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne. For he shall be king in my stead, and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. The Lord God of my Lord, the king, say so too. As the Lord hath been with my Lord, the king, even so be he with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. Now, there's controversy. David disobeyed God by multiplying wives to himself. David fathered sons by many of these wives. Now David is about to die, and guess what's going on? There are all kinds of conspiracies and plots and groups vying for which of David's sons is going to sit on the throne of David. And when David chooses Solomon and directs his court officers to make Solomon the anointed one to sit upon that throne, he says, uh, one, one of his officers says, Amen. 
and let everybody else say amen also. That is, he is calling upon people who don't agree to agree. He is calling on people who had different desires to amend their desires and give their consent to the choice of David. Let the people say, Amen. One more stop. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And then we'll go back to Revelation and finish up our quick look at Jesus Christ as the Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And verse number 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him, speaking of Jesus Christ, are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Okay. Let's, let's see why Jesus Christ is called the Amen. Wouldn't it be a, a silly thing to call anyone in this room tonight the Almighty? So that's Jesus. Nobody else. Wouldn't it be a silly thing to call any one of us in this room tonight the Advocate? Wouldn't it be a, a, a blasphemous thing to say any one of us is, is the last Adam? Or any of these names that belong to Jesus. But, but you would think the Amen. Jesus the Amen and nobody else. Well, here's why. I believe the Bible. I do. I believe it. I believe every word of it is true. But you know, there'd come a point in time in your life and mine when someone we loved or cared for, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a parent... The day would come when God would have to deal with them according to His Word. And we would say something like, Oh no, Lord. Don't do that to my son. Oh no, Lord. Don't do that to my husband, my father. No, God, please. Listen, it's one thing. And we, we've, we've all dealt with this. And we're not, we all will deal with this. It's one thing to stand in a pulpit. Or to talk to a man on his doorstep and say, if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to die without Christ and you're going to wake up in hell fire. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to say to your mother or your grandmother laying on her deathbed, Mom, if you don't call on Jesus today, you're going to die tomorrow. And Mom, you're going to wake up in hell. There's not a one of us wants to say amen to the righteous judgment of God against our loved ones. So I'm all for the Bible. Yeah, we're all all for the Bible, but we're not that much all for the Bible. You know that Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. But if your child sowed to the flesh for 30 years, you'd want God to forgive them and wipe the slate clean the next day. You wouldn't want them to reap what they'd sowed. You'd want them to be a special exception. Come on, I, I, I'm, just, I'm being honest with you tonight. When God says, 
the wicked should be turned into hell and all nations that forget God, we don't want him to do that to our America. Okay, is that, is that fair? Jesus Christ never looked at a single righteous decree of his father and said, would you reconsider that? He never looked at one pronouncement made by a holy, his holy father and said, that's too harsh. That's too severe. Whatever God the Father decreed, God the Son said, Amen. You are right about that. Now, let's flip it over. We think it's wonderful if a man working in a prison ministry sends out a report and says, last month at such and such a federal prison, 20 people were saved and two men on death row received eternal life when they trusted Christ as their Savior. That's a great blessing to read that in a missionary prayer report. Would it be a great thing if one of the men who got saved had killed a member of your family? No, no, wait. I'm just telling you, we're all spiritual, but we're not all spiritual all the time. And I think it's great that the Lord, by His blood, in a moment of time, washed all my sins away. I think it's great that the Lord forgave me of all my sins and gave me everlasting life. But there's some people who've done some things for me. And I'm not sure I want them to just get off like that. I know there's no purgatory, but it wouldn't hurt to drag them through hell just a little bit. I mean, after all, look what they did. Come on, let's be honest about it. Nobody, nobody wants God to judge sin as severely as God said He's going to judge sin. And nobody wants God to forgive sinners as completely as God wants to forgive them. We have a hard time on either side of that coin saying amen to the decrees and the judgments and the statutes of God. Jesus never does. He never does. Look, in, look back at Revelation. All the promises of God in, in Him are yea and Amen. He, he's not bothered by any of them. Now, look at Revelation 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. It's a church, but it's no good. You have a church of Ephesus. That's a city. It's a church in a city. You have a church in Smyrna. You have a church in Thyatira. You have a church in Pergamon. Go down. But when you get to Revelation 3, under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. It's not God's church. The church people run it. They don't go by the Bible. They go by what they want to do. They don't obey the word of the Lord. They just, they just do what's ever popular at the moment. And so the Bible says, these things saith the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's the Lord getting rid of church members like you'd get rid of something nasty in your mouth. 
Now that's rough. Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in a fire. Thou mayest be rich in white raiment, thou mayest be clothed, and that the name of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes, said that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now, preachers... Deacons, church members in every church in America cringe at the thought of telling church members to repent. And we try every way in the world to avoid either the conflict or the unhappy results of saying, you need to repent. We don't like to do it. Jesus Christ says, Amen to that. They need to repent. They need to repent. I'll tell them. None of us, none of us wants to be in a position to say, that congregation that meets in that building, that teaches a way to heaven that is not the Bible way to heaven, that teaches for doctrines the commandments of men, that practices that which is ungodly both inside and outside their church, God will spew that whole bunch out of His mouth. He detests them. We don't want to say amen to that. It's mean. It's hateful. When you say repent to church people, they say, you don't have any love. The Lord said, as many as I love, I chasten. Now, look, let's, let's be fair. Even somebody as mean as I'm reported to be doesn't take pleasure in telling church-attending people their lives are wrong, their ways are wrong, their practices are wrong, and we go out of our way to avoid it. Jesus doesn't. If there's something wrong in your life... He will step right in and say, my father said, stop that. If there's something unacceptable in my life, he will turn me to the very pages that rebuke it in my Bible reading. He will send me to to a a church where, where the preacher will preach on that very thing. And I can get angry if I want, but the amen is agreeing with his father that the church should be pure and holy and righteous and scriptural. And none of us is as zealous for truth as Jesus is. None of us is as careful to guard the testimony of the Lord's church as he is. He said in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Now, All of us, come on, stay with me. We'll get to a good one, a happy one here in a minute. But this is who Jesus is. All of us say, I would never, as a Christian, I would never hang out with somebody that does that until our family starts doing it. And then we say, well, I I couldn't, I mean, they're my family. All of us have certain biblical standards until our friends lower their standards. And then we follow our friends down into the the pit. You know what Jesus said? 
the desire of my heart is to come in and sit with you and sup with you and fellowship with you, but not like that. Until you make that home a place where I am welcome as I am, I'm not coming in there. I'm going to stand right outside this door here. Though I love you, though I want to fellowship with you, though I desire to sit at the table with you, not on your terms, on my terms. Now, may I say to you that there's not a one of us that is willing to go as far to uphold righteousness as Jesus Christ is. Because... When we try to go as far as the Lord, people say things like, you hate me. Or they say things like, you're a hypocrite. Or they say things like, you you don't... And you know what? Jesus, He hears all that. But it doesn't sway Him. He doesn't yield to unrighteousness to avoid the contradiction of sinners against himself. And there's not a one of us who doesn't to some measure give in to that pressure that comes from people who want to justify their sin by getting us to go along with it. Jesus is the amen. He will never, he will never say, Father, I know what you said, but I really like this guy. He's the amen. Now, you say, well, why don't you dwell that long on the blessings? You notice in Deuteronomy, we don't have to dwell that long on the blessings. We want Jesus to agree with His Father and bless us when we do what's right. But we want Him to contradict His Father and bless us when we don't do what is right. He's not going to do it. You know, you know what I would do? If one of my children or one of your children sinned against the Bible, I would want as quickly as possible to get them right back in the center of God's blessing. And I would want to pray and ask God not to chasten them, not to teach them a lesson, not to, not to cause them to reap what they sowed, because I love them. But my love is not a righteous love. God loves them more than I do. But his love is a righteous love. So he's not going to start taking a magic marker and blotting out verses in his Bible just so people I care about don't have to go through some things they signed up for. He's the amen. You got little grandbabies you love? Don't ever put liquor in front of them. Because if they become drunkards, they can get saved and God can forgive them. But that's not going to fix all the messes they made while they were drinking. Okay? See, what you know what I want? Oh, God, but, but it's, my, it's my grandson. You gotta just, he doesn't got to sin because somebody I care about suffering. He's the amen with a capital A. If God says blessings, he's going to bring them. If God says cursings, He's going to bring them. He's going to always agree with His Father, no matter who is the object in view. That's me, that's you. Now, I just got to throw this in there. 
Many of you were raised in a religion where if the amen agreed with the father and you didn't like it, you could run past him to his mother. And you could get married to tell Jesus to not do what the father said. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. Let me give you from the Bible the last words of Mary. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. That's what Mary said. So don't go to Mary looking for a way to get around the, the discipline and the chastening hand of Jesus Christ. Somebody tried to get Mary to overrule Jesus one time, and, 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 and so Mary went to Jesus and said, I, here's what I want you to do, and his response was a polite, woman, what have I to do with thee? <laughs> one time when he was 12 years old, she suggested that he was in the wrong place doing the wrong thing, and he said, wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? So we don't, we don't make light in any way of the biblical Mary. But the Mary that sits on the shelf next to the, you know, the, the rainbow pony and, the, and the, um, you know, the, the Mickey Mouse doll and everything else that made up, that made up Mary, we don't, we don't pay any attention to her. You're not going to go to the mother and get around the decree of the son. Jesus, the amen. amen. He always agrees with the Father. He's going to do the Father's will. So, amen. amen. All right. He is also the Ancient of Days. You'll like this one better than the amen because it doesn't require anything. Uh, I mean, uh, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Jesus Christ is the Ancient of Days. A timeless ruler overall. Daniel chapter number 7. I beheld till the thrones were cast down. And the ancient, see the capital? The ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as a burning flame. Who sits upon that throne? The Ancient of Days. If you lived as you should, if we devoted ourselves, our, our abilities, our energies, our talents as we should, we would over the decades of our life accumulate skill and knowledge and understanding and wisdom that would put us in a position to be a tremendous help and blessing to those that were coming along behind us. Because sin has entered in the world, that doesn't often happen. Our, our, our society is full of men 70 years old and women 80 years old that, that are nothing but booze hounds and TV addicts have nothing to contribute to anybody. It, it shouldn't be that way, but, but then there are many in our society who've lived 70, 80, 90 years, a righteous life, a godly life, an honorable life, but by the time they reach the place where they could direct the generation to come, 
The health begins to fail, the mind begins to fail, and and many of the things they once knew that they would like to teach us, they no longer have the mind or the strength to impart to us. We've also been deceived by, by our culture into thinking that a kid 19 years old with his pants halfway down his thighs and a microphone in his hand is, is more deserving of our attention than our grandfather. Why would I ask grandpa how to live when I could consult a 19-year-old rapper? Come on, that's our society. But suppose you had, suppose you had, at your disposal, that's not the right word. Suppose you had access to, there we go. Suppose you had access to someone who had been around long enough to know, oh, let's say, everything there is to know about life. He knew everything there was to know about emotions. He knew everything there was to know about worship. He knew everything there was to know about family. He knew everything there was to know about earning a living. He knew everything there was to know about God. Everything there was to know about the devil. Suppose you you had access to somebody who had lived long enough to know everything and did and wasn't senile. He wasn't cruel. He was Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? And you do. The Ancient of Days sitting upon that throne is your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's lived long enough to know how each and every government on this earth is going to end up. He's lived long enough to know where every religion in the world leads those that follow it. He's lived long enough to know what to tell a man about being a husband and what to tell a woman about being a wife. Just think of it. You could get married today and have the instruction offered you from the one who knows everything about marriage. You could bring children into the world and have personal consultation with the one who knows everything there is to know about raising children. He's right there, the Ancient of Days. Isn't that an amazing thing? I say again, we, we diminish the Lord's rightful place in our life. The, the, the people we consult and the experts that we look to have nothing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, when, when those men back in the Old Testament time, Methuselah, he's 969 years old, at his birthday party, the Lord could have said to him, Listen, kid, you don't know anything. That's right. That's right. 969 years, that's a long time to live, unless you're God. If you're God, one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. The man who lived the longest life of any human ever, who ever lived didn't even make it one day in God's world. One day, now we'd say, if you, God forbid, if you gave birth to a child and the child didn't live out 24 hours, you'd say, what a tragedy. The Lord looks at Methuselah, he died at 969 and said, what a tragedy. I intended for him to live forever, he didn't last a day. Do you realize who you're praying to? Do you realize whose words you're reading? Do you realize who wants to be the light to your path and the lamp to your feet? It's the Ancient of Days. 
He knows how to run things sitting on that throne. Look at Psalm 110. We read this morning that he's unchanging, the same yesterday and today and forever. Psalm 110 says of the ancient of days, Psalm number 110, your society. I, I try to go through these lessons. I'm trying my best just to keep it about the Lord. But your society is unbelievable. This man, uh, Bill Clinton, you remember him? How many remember Bill Clinton? He, he, made, he made filthiness common conversation. That's his contribution to your society. Normal, normal, decent people talking in public about things that normal, decent people should never talk about and, and should never even brought up. But anyway, so Bill Clinton does what he does, and now you can hear him speak. He'll make a 30-minute speech at your little luncheon or something for $500,000. People would pay that reprobate $500,000 to speak to them for a half hour. They do. George W. Bush, I don't know, I mean, he don't need the money, but if he wanted money, all he'd have to do is get on a speaking circuit. They'd pay him half a million dollars to go speak over in Tokyo, and then they'd fly him up to Iceland and pay him half their national budget to give a speech and all that. And as soon, you say what you want, as soon as Obama's done being president, so boy, we'll be rid of him. You won't be rid of him. They'll be paying him a million dollars to speak to one, one rabble-rousing group after another. A million dollars, make a... Well, it wouldn't be a half-hour speech with him. It would be an hour and 15 minutes or however long it would be. They'd pay him a million bucks to come and speak at there. And, and listen, and you have for free, for free, God talk to you. For free, no charge, the Ancient of Days will give you, oh, a lecture on creation. And then a lecture on the origin of nations, and then a lecture on family life, and then a lecture on fishing, and then a lecture on sowing bread, and it's all right here. God for free. And people pay, they, they like to go down to the bookstore and buy, buy a self-help book. If you knew how to self-help, you wouldn't need the book. All this stuff, you know, think your way thin. You can think about it all you want. But if you're thinking about it while you're eating donuts, you're not getting thin. You know, five days to a better you. If I could fix me in five days, <laughs> take me longer than that to read the book. <laughs> here it is right here. What God said. What God said. Not what some dodo wrote in a book and put in a library. What God said. The ancient of days, right here. Oh, what, what, what we cost ourselves by neglecting the Word of God. What, what we do to ourselves by listening to all these other voices when we could consult the Scriptures. The Bible says in Psalm 110, verse number 1, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people should be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of youth. Now what a, what a thing. The ancient of days possesses the dew of youth. I don't. There's, there's all kinds of notes I can't hit anymore. There's all kinds of speed records I can't break anymore. There's all kinds of that people say, how high can you jump? I'm not going to risk it. 
I want a hip replacement. Come on. God, listen, God, year after year, century after century, millennium after millennium, and He's still got the dew of, of youth upon Him. He's the Ancient of Days, and He's the beginning. It's incredible, isn't it? He, he's, he's as old or older than time itself, and He's not aging. That's, that, that, you can't wrap your mind around that, but that's God. He's still strong enough to meet your need. He's still fast enough to get there on time. His mind's still sharp enough to, to give you the answers you're looking for. That's our God. Amen. The Ancient of Days. He, he was just what Abraham needed all those years ago. He was just what the, the judges needed all those years ago. He was just what Solomon needed all those centuries back. He was just what Peter and James and John needed as they set out to spread the gospel. He's just what you need today. Just what you need today. Nobody's ever come to God and the Lord said, Look, I, I've had to cut back. I just can't do what I used to do. But don't, don't worry. I've hired a couple of people and they're, they're doing most of the work around here. I'm just kind of a management position now. I just can't handle it like I used to. Not God. The Ancient of Days still has the dew of youth. Isn't that incredible? If He created the heavens and the earth way back when, He can do all that and more today. What a God. What a God. Come to Revelation chapter number 10. Revelation, the 10th chapter. I, I, I don't spend as much time as I used to, especially when our kids were younger, but we like to go to these used book sales. The library have used book sale a couple of times a year. They'll put a sign out front, used book sale. If it starts at 9, you better be there at 9. Because if you're not there in the first hour, the only thing that's left are the stacks of books on how to help yourself emotionally, how to help yourself medically, and how to lose weight. You know why the used book rack of the library is full of those books? Because those are last year's How to Have a Better Life. Those were last year's 10 minutes a day to a perfect you. Those were last year's, you know, the all-bacon diet and the all-lettuce diet and all the rest of that. And the reason they don't stay on the shelves is they're just fads. They were just gimmicks. And... Everybody's read them, and they're still, you know, angry and depressed and overweight. And so we need a whole new batch. You know what's sitting right there? You know what will be sitting right there? The other thing that didn't sell till I got there? A Gideon Bible for 50 cents. Sitting right there, you go buy it. You can buy every one they ever had. Every, every Bible that ever donated to the library, it'd be right there every six months in the used book sale. So all those people have been here. How come nobody bought that Bible? Because they'd rather buy something by Oprah. Oprah's Guide to Dieting. Oprah's Guide to Race Relations. Oprah's Guide to Rejecting Jesus Christ and Making Fun of Christians. They'd rather buy that than a Bible. Why? Because she's on TV and she's so nice to everybody. She isn't nice to people who believe this book. I didn't mean to be preaching about... Um, the image of the beast tonight. I want to keep this on, on the Lord. But I'm telling you, this world, they will consult experts who aren't experts, and they won't consult God who's been around forever. What, what, listen, whatever the topic is, the Lord knows more about it than, than anybody else does. 
And so he's place, he's the one we're to look to. All right, Revelation 10. Revelation 10. I, I, I went to college, and my textbook, I take these psychology classes. My textbook's called Hobbes to Hume, The History of Thought. Really? So nobody thought before this guy? There wasn't a thought till this guy showed up, and all of a sudden people started thinking. And and once once the last guy you know the the guy at the end of the book, once he croaked then nobody's thought it, had any thoughts since except what really and you sit there reading that stuff you know and and we got you got to sit Sigmund Freud uh, Sigmund Freud uh, he said that that every problem you have in your life is because you never got over when your mom quit breastfeeding you and the guy died from cancer in the mouth from smoking cigars. Look, buddy, just because you didn't get over it doesn't mean the rest of us haven't gotten on with our lives. <laughs> then I, I forget which one it was. It was Hobbes or Hume, one of the, one of the guys on the, on the front of the book. Uh, his, his last words before he died were, I'm about to take a long leap into the dark. Now, why would I follow that guy in line at McDonald's, much less into eternity? But people go out to school. They go out to school. They'll pay. They'll pay forty thousand dollars a year to get a higher education, and come out dumber than they were when they went in. And you can drive a truck for a living and read a Bible on your lunch break, and and be smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter with every day that goes by. You know why? Because the Ancient of Days is willing to teach you what you need to know, and the rest of it's not all that important anyway. All right, we're going to read a verse here eventually. Uh, here we go. Revelation ten five. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein and that there should be time no longer. Guess what? When, when there was no time, God was living. And when God started the clocks, he was living. And when he gets rid of all the clocks, he'll still be living. He lives forever and forever and forever and forever. And when it was time for there to be time, he said, let there be light. And he put the sun up there and he put the moon up there and he put the stars up there. And he said, now everybody synchronize your watches. Only there wasn't anybody to do it. But, but when there were people there to set, and so that's God. And then one day he's going to tell the angel, say, that's it, time should be no more, shut her down. And God will still be there. Now that's the one I want control in my life. That's the one I want telling me what to do. And people sit, you know, and, and you, you try to help them, but you can't help them. And you sit in their home or they sit in your office, you show them what the Bible says, and that's just your opinion. Well, be dumb. Why would you not take God's advice? Why would you not do what somebody tells you to do who's watched everybody that's ever do it wrong, do it wrong, and watched everybody that's ever done it right, do it right, and said, this is how it works. This is what will work. This is what won't work. Why wouldn't you trust Him? Revelation 20. Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation 20, verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, 
and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, guess what's gone? Heaven's gone. Guess what's gone? Earth is gone. Guess what's not gone? God. God's still there. Now, let me give you the, the solution, uh, or the, the alter, here's an alternative. Uh, and this, this started, this, this got big when I was in college. I was in college in the late 70s. And what happened in the, in the 60s, early 60s, the Beatles, the Beatles, oh, the Beatles. The Beatles started making some music that they stole from black bands and toned it down so you could sell it to white people. And... The Beatles started making music, and they made a fortune. And they made all kinds of money. And they made so much money that they were able to do whatever they wanted to do in the world. They could do anything they wanted to do. And five years later, they were bored out of their minds. Because Satan could show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them in a moment of time. And five years after the devil put the world in the palm of four boys' hands, they were bored out of their minds. They'd done all the drugs you could do. They'd defiled all the women they could defile. They'd traveled all the places they could travel to. They'd had their picture taken so many times. They just, they just, they're just out of their minds with boredom. So they went to India and discovered transcendental meditation. And nobody in their right mind would sit cross-legged and hum for two or three hours prior to that. But if the Beatles did it, well, that's something to look into. Well... Most of America didn't look into it because they had jobs to go to or children to raise. But the professors hanging out at the colleges and the universities, they had time to look into it. So by the time I got to college in the late 70s, it was all the rage on campus, you know, to stop the lecture five minutes early so everybody could meditate. And you have little groups sitting all around, all, all around the campus and little, wherever there's a grassy area, meditating. And it was, you know, big. Now, now here's, here's, here's the joke. You ready? Here's the joke. I go to college. I pay my entry fee. I go to college. I pay my tuition. I go to college and I pay for the classes. I go to college and I pay for the books. And then the professor says, but the way to enlightenment is sit down and empty your mind. And if you can ever get everything out of your mind, you'll be enlightened. Well, that's where I was before I got here. I'm paying you all that money to educate me, and you're telling me that the top of the mountain is have nothing in my head. And they sold that. They sold it to America. Now, you'd think that all you'd have to do is look around India and see that whatever they were doing didn't work. <laughs> Three million people taking a bath in the same dirty river. <laughs> We know better than that. But anyway, so now you live, in a, you live in a day and time when somebody who lives by the greatest piece of literature on the face of the earth. Now, never mind if you believe it's God's word or not. It's the greatest piece of literature on the face of the earth. If you live by that, you're an ignorant hillbilly. But if you meditate, that is, you empty your mind of all thought... You're some sort of spiritual genius. Now, you've got to hand it to the devil. 
He's a pretty good salesman. You can take the greatest treasure the world ever had and get people to trade it for an empty head. That's pretty good salesmanship. Some people say, well, you know, I'm just going to meditate on what? Oh, no, no, you don't meditate on anything. You, you meditate until there's nothing there. You mean like being dead? <laughs> why, why would I want to do that? How about turn your mind to God's words? That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Don't, don't take the stoppers out of your ears let your brains run out. Fill your ears with God's word. Amen. My wife, she says, sometimes you sound like you're angry up there. I am angry. <laughs> Makes me angry what the devil's done to our nation, what Hollywood's done to our nation, what sorry, good-for-nothing preachers and ministers have done to our nation. The Ancient of Days wants to guide your steps. The Ancient of Days wants to teach you how to live. Why would you trade that for some nonsense the world's turning out? All right, Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. One more verse tonight before I blow a gasket. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1. Verse number 10. And thou, Lord... In the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth. I believe that. I'm creationist 100% through and through. And the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish. That's the heavens, that's the earth. They shall perish. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment. How about that? Clothes wear out, the universe wears out. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up. And they shall be changed. You know what the Lord says? When I'm tired of wearing this, I'll take it off. Put an old bag, set it out by the curb, and I'll make some new clothes. That's what he said. Go out in a dark place at night. Get away from city lights. Look up in that sky. See, see the glory and the wonder. Those stars. they got a website you can go to. It's, uh, I think it's, it's Hubble. And it's, it's got the picture of the day from deep space. I don't know if they're real or not, but they are really fascinating to look at. Do you know what all that is? It's just what God's wearing. Just His robes. Just His clothes. Lord, so one day I'll get tired of wearing this. I'll just take it off and make me some new clothes. How about that? Now watch. Now watch. He says, They shall perish, but thou remainest. They all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same. Thy years, and thy years shall not fail. That's amazing. If you carbon dated God, it would be zero. If a billion years from now you carbon dated God, it would read zero. He wasn't old when he started. He's not old now. He was ancient when he started. He's ancient now. He's the I am. He lives outside the bounds of time. The roaring 20s come and go. The gay 90s come and go. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) 
The swinging 70s come and go. Centuries vanish. Millennia disappear. Think about it. A thousand years of human history passes and you only know the names of a handful of people who lived. God says, I'm unchanged. I'm just the same. Doesn't affect me. Doesn't bother me. I'm not tired. I'm not creaky. I'm not cranky. <laughs> I'm not hard of hearing. My arm's not short and it cannot save. My ear's not deaf and it cannot hear. That's your God. You haven't worn him out. You'll not wear him out. What an incredible thing. Sit and talk to the one that knows all about war, all about peace, all about food, all about drink, all about good men, all about bad men. He knows it all. There it is right here. The council of the ancient of days. Praise God. You know, the day you got saved wouldn't have been something. If you got there, and just as you got there to get saved, Lord said, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm retired in five minutes. What? Well, I've been on this job 40 years. I got my pension saved up. I'm tired, man. I'm clocking out for the last time. You'll have to see the, the new God when he gets here. The best worker who ever lived eventually works his last day. The best singer ever lived eventually sings his last song. The greatest painter ever painted one day lays down his brush for the last time. Who God was before he created the heavens and the earth, he still is and he always will be. He's the ancient of days and he's as fresh as the morning dew. They called his name Jesus. But he's bigger than all that. Amen. Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. Lord, we thank you that you fail not. Your strength, your wisdom, your honor, your glory, your beauty. You may, all that we could say about you, it doesn't fade away. It doesn't diminish. You are the ancient of days. Thank you, Lord. That we might know you, trust you, believe on you. Help us, help us to comprehend these things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.